Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And Joe, we thought we'd start things off tonight with doing a little locker room talk. And I came up with a new locker room talk segment that I think will be fun. It's not one we've ever done before. And I'm calling it The Better Of. And so this one's going to be The Better Of the 1990s. The 90s have been on my mind lately because with the new truck that I have, humble brag, it's got uh, satellite radio in it. And one of my favorite stations on satellite radio is both lithium, which of course contains uh, 90s alternative grunge and uh, alternative music. And then I also like just the, the 90s station that plays music from the 90s. Maybe it's because I have brothers that are exorbitantly older than me, but I've always liked music from the 90s. So it just made me think, I'm going to do the one that's comparing things from the 90s, and that's what we're doing tonight. Our locker room talk is always brought to you by our fine sponsors, uh, brought to you by Beach Ball Properties. Uh, right now, it is hot, and uh, if you want to get in the water, this is the best time you can ever call Hunter and Ginger at Beach Ball Properties, and you'll get yourself your beach getaway in Orange Beach or Gulf Shores and go have a ball at the beach. Sounds good. All right, Joe, so the first one I have is, who was the team of the 90s, at least for you and I? Probably the only time they were really the team of anything, and that's the Atlanta Braves. So, uh, Joe, I wanted to ask it for you, who is the better of the 90s Braves players, Greg Maddox or Chipper Jones? I think that it's a tough conversation because popularity-wise, it's going to be Chipper Jones. Um, you could argue that he's probably the most popular Brave since they moved to Atlanta. Like Hank Aaron would be the most popular before that. But I think that as far as career-wise, it's Greg Maddox. Because, I mean, just from his Hall of Fame stature, his numbers matched up with all of the all-time greats as pitchers. Uh, Chipper Jones no doubt a Hall of Famer, but his numbers to me aren't necessarily going to be like top five when it comes to offensive players. You look at Greg Maddox in the modern era, I mean, who's won more games, really? 355 wins in his career. Uh, he won 15 or more games, I think, 15 seasons. Uh, he won four Cy Young Awards, um, played for the Braves for 10 years. I, I think it has to be Greg Maddox. Well, Joe, I think you're correct on this one, not only because I do think if you look at the totality that Greg Maddox is the better player and really the, the more high-level Hall of Famer, especially as a pitcher. He's in probably, you know, arguments to be a top-ten pitcher of all time. I think Chipper Jones is more like a face of a franchise. I mean, he's obviously a great player, probably a top-50 player of all time, but not in that same rarefied era where Greg Maddox is. But I think even more appropriately, when you want to talk about the best 90s Braves player, Greg Maddox was with the Braves longer during the 90s than Chipper Jones was. I don't think Chipper Jones started playing with the Braves until, I want to say, 95. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Greg Maddox was there from the very first worst to first season in 1991. Yeah, he had a longer tenure with the Braves. And he also, as a free agent acquisition, really was what made the difference in helping them have the deeper runs of the playoffs and winning the World Series. They had before him McLavin and Smoltz and Steve Avery, but getting Greg Maddox, who at the time was already the best pitcher in baseball, I mean, that really was what made the difference. And the last thing I'll say that was really fascinating, the Braves actually had an option um, about signing either Greg Maddox or Barry Bonds. Really? And they elected to sign uh, Greg Maddox uh, instead of Bonds. 
Well, it was definitely the right decision. I mean, Barry Bonds, of course, is a fantastic player, but in terms of what you're going to get, I mean, a high-level pitcher is always going to be a better decision than a hitter. I mean, I especially with, with Greg Maddox, what he can do, how consistent he was, and the style that Greg Maddox had because, you know, he was never going to wow you with speed. I mean, I think probably the top he could throw was like 92, and that was on like an amazing day. But it was just he'd, he'd work you out. He wouldn't strike you out, but it, you'd always get little dinks and infield shots. And, I mean, that was the way he won. It was it was very it was very workmanlike, and it wasn't flashy. I always kind of liked that about him. And I, that's probably yeah, why when I was a kid. He said he became a good pitcher. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably why when I was a he kid. He became a good pitcher. Glavin was go my ahead. favorite pitcher. That that's why I was probably when I was a kid, Tom Glavin was my favorite of the Braves pitchers because he was a lot more flashy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely was that, absolutely. Um, Greg Maddox said that um, famously that when he started becoming a good pitcher was when he actually decided to let them uh, hit it instead of trying to you know throw it by him real fast. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not what he did. I mean, he barely ever struck people out, but you also barely ever got hits against him. It was just that same thing. You'd get ground outs all the time. And a lot of ones that went to him, he was quite the fielder. So it was definitely a different style than what you see from pretty much anybody. Absolutely. All right, Joe. Well, what's the first one you have for me? All right. Okay. So with the 90s theme, I'm going to go to two movies that I feel like have just created such a following through the years. And I think about around uh, Halloween, everybody loves Hocus Pocus. Like that's the Halloween movie. And then around uh, Christmas time, you have Home Alone. And so I want to know what would you choose between Home Alone and Hocus Pocus? Well, Joe, I mean, that, that's a tough one right there because you're going kind of like different genres. I mean, they're both kids' movies, obviously, or young adults' movies. But, you know, Joe, I think on this one, I have to go Home Alone on this. I, I like Hocus Pocus a lot. It's really neat. I mean, especially I went to Salem a couple years ago, and, like, they filmed the whole movie there, and it was really neat getting to see that after Hocus Pocus. And it is a movie that I tend to watch every year. But when I think about the effect of movies and the effect of child stardom, I can't think of a movie that's more fitting than Home Alone and the way it spurred Macaulay Culkin to be the greatest child actor of all time. I don't think there's ever going to be anyone that even is in the same hemisphere as him because, I mean, he just had, like, he had the face and he had the, you know, the personality that just really drew you in. And I've never seen a child actor that's even compares to him. I don't know that you ever will. And I just think that the effect that that movie had, you know, in terms of, like, his career and, kind of the way it set off the nineties. I gotta go with Home Alone on this. And it had of course had, you know, your sequels to it. I thought Home Alone Alone in New York was also good. Now of course the ones they made later on that didn't have Macaulay Culkin in it weren't very good. But fun fact, if you watch Home Alone the second one, Donald Trump's in it. As a younger Donald Trump. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. And Tim Curry's in the second one too. They have a lot of you know good uh, cast in the second one. Um, I think that personally, Home Alone, you know, has um, even more of a following than uh, Hocus Pocus. But I do really enjoy the Hocus Pocus movie. Like, I think the entire movie to me is really good. But Home Alone, I like the whole movie. But my favorite part is at the end, you know, when he gets the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, really, you just want to skip forward in Home Alone to when he, like, has all his traps set up when they come in the house. That's the best part of any of the movies. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I would say probably this, though. I think 
better in terms of the effect it had. But if I were to sit down and choose one to watch, I'd watch Hocus Pocus probably nine times out of ten. Yeah, like full length, you know, like it starts, you know, great from the beginning. You know, you see the, the three sisters, you know, almost from the opening scene. And so it's really entertaining. But the last thing I'll say that's kind of cool is think about how the Sandlot, Hocus Pocus, and Home Alone are like just such a big fixture as far as movies we watch for different occasions. Like the Sandlot would be the 4th of July, and they all came out in the 90s. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, man. They're all like, you know right when we were kids and this all came out when we were four to five years old exactly which show that leads me into my next one so that's kind of great that you, you went that way uh better 90s kids baseball movie the sandlot or rookie of the year definitely the sandlot um to me you know just what a movie as far as just a coming of age movie had everything that you wanted it's like baseball and apple pie. Um, you have the big dog. And, and I talked to so many people that, you know, don't even really follow sports that love the Sandlot. They're like, that's just a great kids movie. Um, like even, I know he doesn't have Facebook, so I'll say this. My boss, Dan, likes the Sandlot. Like, like you know, it's just, um, it's crazy. Like, everybody likes it. And um, additionally, with Rookie of the Year, I think it's a great movie. But, um I think that it's one that is probably going to be enjoyed more by people that are a little bit more um, diehard baseball fans. I guess it's a fair point. I mean, I think The Sandlot is more of an American movie than Rookie of the Year is. I think Rookie of the Year is more baseball-centric. But I will say this, that I do think The Sandlot is a better movie, and I like it a lot, too. I mean, it's one of those movies that I remember I had it on VHS, and I watched it 100 times. But with Rookie of the Year, I feel like I think about it more because whenever I'm playing tennis, whenever there's like a ball sitting somewhere where I could maybe like trip on it or something, I never let it sit there because I always think of what happened to the kid in Rookie of the Year when he trips on the baseball and suddenly that messes up his arm but also makes him throw fast. But I always think about – I'm always going to slip him and injure my shoulder like the kid in Rookie of the Year if I do that. Yes, yes. No, I don't remember it. And I love that movie. Yeah, I think Rookie of the Year is an mm-hmm. Yes, it kind of uh, it kind of prompts that when, when you see uh, like a ball on the ground. No, I completely agree with that. And, and I love Rookie of the Year. Another one that I really like is Little Big League. Yeah, Little Back Big League. Little Big League for me is just below, just below the sandlot. Yeah, that was always a really underrated one. I liked it a lot, but I never feel like it got quite the publicity that the sandlot or Rookie of the Year got. Correct. It really didn't. I mean, you know, Minnesota Twins, never been the same since they had that child manager. <laughs> and you had King Griffey Jr. in the movie and Randy Johnson. So. That's true. And King Griffey just ripped her heart out at the end. It's so sad. <laughs> Great catch in Centerville. That is. I mean, you know, he's King Griffey Jr. That's what he does. Well, speaking of ripping the heart out, I think that's a great segue to our next one. So I want to think about, you know, two other iconic sports teams or iconic sports moments in the 90s. Let's talk about two of the teams of the 90s. The 90s Bulls with Michael Jordan ripping the heart out of the Utah Jazz fans. Well, fans of every, pretty much every team. And then you think of the Cowboys of the 90s with their three Super Bowl championships. And so I'm curious, you know, what your response would be here. I would preface, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts, not only on who is better, but more of who's more iconic, because I do feel like there's a lot of uh, 
of people, you know, that were Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman fans. Well, Joe, I mean, I feel like this one's not as close as you want to put it out there. I, mean, I think it's the Bulls by Landslide and Michael Jordan, not only because of the fact that they won double the championship that the, the Cowboys. So the Cowboys only won three Super Bowls. The Bulls won six NBA Finals. And, of course, it's Jordan that every year that he was there in the 90s, they won the NBA Finals. And then the two years that he's not there, two years they don't win it. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it all gets heightened by the last dance and everything with that. But, I mean, just in terms of dominance, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of 90s sports, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, those Bulls teams, the first thing that comes to my mind because you just knew that no one was going to beat them. And I never – I mean, the Cowboys, they were definitely – you didn't think there was much of a chance anybody would beat them, but there was never that, like, certainty that when Michael Jordan's on the court – and it's an important game. He's going to win. With the Cowboys, they, you know, they definitely, like I said, in your mind, you were pretty close to thinking they would win every time. But it wasn't just like every year for six years. Like, you know, every year that Aikman was there and Emmett Smith and uh, Michael Irvin were there, they were going to win it. But they did. I mean, they had quite the run right there. And I will say this, uh, you know, they became America's team at that point. That was when you started hearing that the Cowboys were America's team. We never quite heard that with the Bulls. So it did spur on like a nickname that yeah. has stuck ever since then, even though the Cowboys you know, had nowhere near even an inkling of the success they had in the 90s. So I guess from a nickname standpoint, you give it to the Cowboys. But in terms of overall effect of what you think of when you think of sport, 90s sports teams, it's Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Well, one reason I bring it up, well, two reasons. Number one is, like you said, America's team. I feel like there are a lot of people, you know, nowadays that are Cowboys fans because of those teams in the 90s. And then the second reason I bring it up is what's interesting, even if they lose the matchup to the Bulls here, I think that this uh, Cowboys team could defeat other dynasties in different decades. I think it's like they just played in the wrong decade against uh, the Bulls. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean – you want to talk about the 80s, if they had that kind of run in the 80s, I don't know what team I would put in the 1980s that would compete with those Cowboys. I mean, not nothing really comes to mind in terms of having that level of dominance. So, and it, like I said, it, it almost becomes even more fitting because of how long it's been. The Cowboys haven't done that since then. And so many great players, of course, Emmitt Smith, the rushing record, Troy Aikman, uh, probably a top 15 quarterback and definitely a huge winner. And then Michael Irvin, a, a great receiver, but more known for his personality than anything else. And that was another thing that really did kind of like set those guys apart. I mean, of course, with the Bulls, you had Dennis Rodman that had enough personality to fill up a mansion. But in terms of like more people with personalities, I mean, there's so much stuff that you hear about those Cowboys teams from their parties, from the White House to Michael Irvin just being out there doing everything he does. and you know, Emmett Smith definitely is a captivating person, too. And uh, Leon Lett. So there, I think there was a lot more personalities and a lot more watchability in some ways with the Cowboys than we have with the Bulls. Yeah, like if you were going to have, um, you know, an NFL documentary on like a um, dynasty, I would say like outside of like the Patriots, you're, you're definitely going to want to pay money to see the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got your dynasties in the NFL. Of course, you have the Patriots, and what they've done is unprecedented. But outside of them, your two biggest dynasties, your three biggest dynasties you ever had was the Packers at the very beginning of the NFL, the Steelers in the 70s, and then the Cowboys in the 90s. 
Yeah, and then the Cowboys are going to have, like you said, with the like the players, you know, being so um, entertaining. Like, I think that's what adds to their entertainment value. Well, and, and Joe, part of it is a little bit in my mind. Maybe I'm a little biased because when I was a kid, because the Saints were so terrible, I chose the second team and I chose the Steelers. The Steelers were the team that I liked. I liked the way they played football. It was all defense, running, kind of like the color scheme. Pittsburgh seemed like kind of a cool working class city to me. And at that time, the Steelers yeah. were good, but they'd always lose to the Cowboys. And they'd lose the Super Bowl to them. And mm-hmm. Bill Cowher can never quite get over that, that hump with the Cowboys. And so when I was a kid, I, I really disliked the Cowboys. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, the Steelers growing up, did you ever think they were bank robbers? Bank robbers? <laughs> no, where'd you get that from? You never heard that? Uh-uh. Oh, a lot of people because, because they're Steelers. Yeah, because like if you say, yeah, like if you say, like if you don't know how it's spelled, Steelers. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids think that it's spelled S T E A L E R S. That's funny. That I didn't think about that. Uh, so, Joe, the last nineties yep. thing I have, I'm going to go away from sports right here. And we talked about it a little bit when the Saints, of course, played their playoff game on Nickelodeon. But I was thinking, what sums up the nineties more than Nickelodeon as a channel? still exists, but that was, I feel like the height of Nickelodeon was in the 1990s. And I wanted to ask, better Nickelodeon show, all that or Legends of the Hidden Temple? I actually um, have to confess, I never watched either show. Really? So I cannot add, I cannot really pick um, between those two. I was more of, I think we talked about, I watched Cat Dog, I watched Hey Arnold. Watch Rocket Power, but I can't speak for those other two. Oh man, Joe, that's upsetting. What about Are You Afraid of the Dark? You ever watch that one? I don't think I watched that one either. All right, here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll switch it up for you then, Joe. These still might technically be nineties. Hey Arnold or Cat Dog? I would go with Hey Arnold. Um, I like Cat Dog, but Hey Arnold for me. I was talking about it with somebody earlier um, today. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. Um, I love just kind of the setting, like the neighborhood. Uh, I love the episode of the stoop kid. It's about to leave his stoop. So I, I just love it. And I also love the, the Helga, um, you know, infatuation with Arnold. too. always feel that funny. See, Joe, I, I mean, I liked Hey Arnold, but I'll be honest with you. Helga Pataki just made me uncomfortable. And I think I was always nervous by that show because of like Helga just freaking me out a little bit. So it, it wasn't my favorite. I'd probably go Cat Dog just because I liked it. I thought the premise of it was really unique. But, of course, my favorite of all the the Nickelodeon animated shows was Angry, Angry Beavers. Angry Beavers was fantastic. Nice, nice. Now, what would you – if you had to choose between all that and the other show, what would you go with? Uh, all that and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, this would be one of those ones where, yeah. like, kind of like what I said earlier between Home Alone and Hocus Pocus. I like the movie Hocus Pocus more, but I felt that Home Alone had more of a lasting legacy and probably was a more important movie. I would say that I like Legends of the Hidden Temple more because it is an awesome show. You ought to like check it out sometime and just like watch an old one because the way they did it was really neat. I mean, do you, do you understand? You know what the premise of that show was? Tell me, I really don't know, okay, so know that much about. Basically, it. what you would do is you'd have like five or six different teams of kids. I think it was like the Silver Snakes, the mm-hmm. Golden Monkeys, and all these different ones, and you had your little outfit on and your helmet. And you'd have to run through this temple that they designed, kind of like an Aztec temple that had all these different things. Like you'd have Aztec warriors jump out and grab you, uh, pits that would you would fall through, and all this kind of stuff. 
and you had to go, you know, get the ancient artifact and set it in the right place. And it was, it was designed as kind of like a, you know, like almost like an amusement park, um, choose your own adventure kind of thing. And it was just amazing the way they had this, this like set design and one team would ultimately win. And, you know, when you're a kid, you chose, do you like the silver snakes? Do you like the golden monkeys? The, I can't remember what the other ones are, but there were like a few other different options that you could have. And it was just a neat show. Like I loved watching it. But all that I feel like is a more important show because you have so many people that have had amazing careers that started on all that. Like Keenan and Kel, Keenan Thompson, he was on all that. Uh, of course, Kel was on there. And that was how you started the, the Good Burger thing. You know, they ended up having the movie. Amanda, the movie. Yeah, Amanda Bynes was on all that. Coolio was singing the, the All That soundtrack. He was the one who had like the main song for it. Uh, there was some other people too that were big, but you know the biggest one is Keenan because you look at the career that he's at, and the dude is just so amazingly talented. He's so funny. He can do like an impression of anything, and yeah, I feel like Saturday Night Live is nowhere near as good as it used to be. But one of the things that is still good is getting to watch Keenan because every time he's on there, he's just fantastic. And just when he was a kid, and he was a kid on all that, it was essentially like a children's version of Saturday Night Live. It was amazing what he could do even when he was like 14 years old, just how talented he was. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say, like, the cast of all that, you know, I'm very familiar with a lot of those guys. Like, Amanda Bynes, I loved the Amanda show. Like, I used to mm-hmm. watch that a lot. You know, Drake Bell was in that, too. And I just thought it was just great, um, like, great skits on that show. Yeah, and, that, and that's what was cool about all that is, I mean, it was really funny. And like I said, all these people were just, like, uber talented. And they still have people on Nickelodeon that are like that, but you just don't feel like you have, like, that's that golden generation of Nickelodeon people. Yeah. Okay. So um, the last one I have for you is uh, choosing between uh, two sitcoms, Seinfeld or Friends. That's a tough one, Joe. Um, I would say I'm only going to give the edge to Seinfeld because I recently, and when I say recently, I'm talking like pre-COVID times. I guess it was probably about a year before COVID. Got to see Jerry Seinfeld in in concert, do a a stand-up show in Mobile. And it was just so amazing. Like, I don't know. I, I really thought that, like, you know, there's that expression, like, die laughing. I actually thought that I was going to get that point because I couldn't even breathe. It was so funny. And uh, it, it was great to get to see him. And Seinfeld was a really funny show that I liked a lot. And Friends, I mean, I think I've watched all of it at some point in the last four or five years. And it, it's a great show. And it's it definitely, there's so many different iconic things from the 90s that you think about. But in terms of, like, shows that I reference more, I mean, I had a, uh, I'm trying to think what George's made up holiday that he had. I can't think of the the name of it, but it was like his version of Christmas. That was just an upsetting holiday. I had a t-shirt for that, uh, that I bought when I went up to NBC. Um, Festivus. Yeah. Cause it was Festivus for the rest of us. Cause he didn't want yeah. to celebrate Christmas. So he has Festivus. I had this Festivus for the rest of this t-shirt. And I mean, I don't know, just George and, and Jerry and of course Kramer and, mm-hmm. and Elaine. I mean, all those characters were so hilarious. And then of course Newman, the postman that had his little tiff with Jerry. I don't know. I love Seinfeld. I just, it was something my brothers watched too. So I grew up watching it with them and I just thought it was a fantastic show. I watched Seinfeld a lot more than I did friends. Like yeah. I've watched you know, some friends episodes over the years, but I'm just definitely to your point, I'm not as familiar with the references like other people. Like I have other friends that will reference friends all the time and I can't always like catch on to it. But Seinfeld, like, with every example you give, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. So. Well, it's like even the episodes you have that, like, 
don't have characters that appear all the time. You remember like the Soup Nazi. And the Soup Nazi was such an amazing character. Speak in my mind, no soup for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The bubble boy and uh Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> I think I think every guy's had the George Extanza experience. I was in the pool. <laughs> like all those things. Like I mean it, it was just a brilliant show. And it was funny the other night, uh Kayla and I watched uh Bee Movie, which is the Jerry Seinfeld's little animated movie he made about bees. Uh-huh. It, it was hilarious. I actually really liked it. And I mean, you know, his little style of humor is just so funny. Yes, yes. I used to watch him some in high school. I was doing some acting uh, with high school debate. I would watch him sometimes for just some ideas, like to, to get better with performance. Exactly. And, you know, and of course, the last thing is, yeah, I love that every time Kramer entered a room, it was just like the door slamming wide open and him doing his little slide. I love that. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah. All right, well, that's uh, that's going to do it for our locker room talk. We'll be back in just a little bit to talk some more Olympics. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, check us out every Wednesday. Uh, usually it's at 8, but right now it's so hot that 9 o'clock is the only time that you can do this without dying of the heat stroke. And so I think we're going to do it at 9 o'clock for the rest of the summer. And uh, you can check out all of our episodes on Spotify. You can like us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And you can uh, like us on Facebook at the Dan and Joe Sports Show fan page. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.